When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. I'm Jordan here with Jenna Taylor, ready to bring you some really fun Penguins highlights, news, all that good stuff. They had quite the week, the Penguins. Um, they what, what? They're on a five-game winning streak now. That's one thing. Um, in the absence of Jake Gensel, that's two. Um, Evgeny Malkin still is not back. That's three. And Evan Rodriguez is playing out of his mind, another level. Uh, Jenna, I feel like you kind of, you've been on the Evan Rodriguez train since before day one. So how validating is this for you to see him real, like blossoming beyond what I think anybody expected him to do, even at his best, like he's become Insane. That one-timer slap shot was just unreal. It was like shades of Ovechkin. Yeah, it looked like Ovechkin. Yeah. I was going to say, it feels great. Not going to lie. I would just like to say (laughs) that I predicted what was – no. I mean, no one – I don't think anybody came even close to predicting this. I figured, you know, you would think he was going to contribute as a bottom six forward. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody anticipated him scoring the way that he's scoring, but – I feel like I saw this a lot on Twitter and you heard it from him a little bit. You are seeing, and we talked about this last week too, but you're seeing his confidence. You are seeing a confident hockey player who did not feel this way, or at least from what it seemed like to me when he was in Buffalo or even honestly his first year when he was with the Penguins. Because again, when you're in the lineup, you're out of the lineup, you're a healthy scratch, you yeah. know, all these types of things, it's hard for that to develop. But we hear all the time in sports in general, you know, next man up mentality is something that I feel like between covering the Steelers and the Penguins, I hear it at least once a day. It's like, ah, oh, next man up, next man up. Someone's injured, someone gets COVID, things along those lines. But Evan Rodriguez has made the most of his opportunity and then some. And I think that's what you always look for from these guys. And he's out there saying, hey, I'm doing it and I'm doing it at a really high level and Mm -hmm. I'm contributing. And you can just see how much fun he's having and how much how excited these guys are for him too to Mm -hmm. see him succeed the way he's succeeding. Yeah, it's been so fun to watch for sure. Taylor, what do you attribute this rise in production and overall just skill set because it's not just that he's scoring goals it's that it feels like every single thing about his game has been elevated to a totally different level what is going on with that yeah I mean you ask him what what leads to what has led to this level of success and he just keeps saying confidence 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 but I mean he also is shooting the puck more and I mean I mean that could be just a product of his confidence but yeah looking at like the numbers um He's attempting more. So, I mean, obviously he's he's on the ice more, but within that, he's shooting at a higher rate than he ever has before in his career. He's attempting 16.12 uh, shot attempts per 60 minutes at five on five. He's recording 10 shots on goal per uh, 60 minutes at five on five. Again, both of those are the highest rates of his career. 
Um, so, I mean, that's where, you know, a lot of the scoring is coming from. But mm-hmm. uh, just, I mean, that, that one-timer, the, the one that looked like Ovechkin, that looked like a number eight on his back from the, uh, mm-hmm. the left face off that, that kind of stuff we really didn't see from him before. And I asked him, like, is that something you worked on coming into this season? And he said, you know, yeah, you, like you, you work on it a lot after practice and, you know, uh, that helps. Crosby, you know, pointed to his shot as, as when he was asked, you know, what kind of growth he's seen from uh, him this year. So uh, confidence, but then he's using that to take more shots. But then his, his shot is also just better. So, uh, yeah, again, nine goals that, that ties a career high uh, in it's like 45 fewer games than when he did it before. And then... Um, he crossed the 20-point plateau for just a third time in his career. And again, he's only 20-something games into the season. So um, I know I, I'm so interested to see what kind of contract he's going to get after this mm. year because, yeah. I mean, this is kind of a small sample size, you know, compared to the rest of his career. But he's doing very well. Um, number two leading score behind Gensel on the team. So, um, yeah, good for him. And it's awesome to kind of see guys like him, guys like Brock McGinn, guys like Dan Mm -hmm. Hyman. I mean, especially Evan Rodriguez, I guess you could call him newer to the Penguins, but obviously McGinn and Hyman being as new as you can be to this team. All of them are finding career success. And yes, again, Mm -hmm. it's because of opportunity, it seems like. But I think McGinn is, I want to say, two points away from his... Uh, total of in 2020-2021 is point total. Yeah. Um, Heinen just surpassed his goal total. Evan Rodriguez. Like, these guys are contributing and in, in mm-hmm. such beneficial ways. And again, it's been circumstantial, but this is really beneficial for the Pens moving forward when, mm-hmm. again, we talked about this team getting completely healthy all season. But when you have Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, and Brian Russ back in this lineup, just the depth that this team could have yeah. is something that I think Penguins fans should really be excited about. Absolutely. And I think it definitely is circumstantial with all the injuries. But when have the Penguins been fully healthy in recent memory? Like it's been a long time since they've been like across the board. Everybody is where they should be and are supposed to be. And we've we've seen depth guys slot into those higher roles and not really do much. Not that they've failed, but they haven't necessarily they haven't played to this level that these guys are are playing at right now. And it's just unbelievable how different uh, types of players really thrive in Mike Sullivan's system. And that's definitely what we're seeing right now. I don't know, again, like Evan Rodriguez having been here before (laughs) and then coming back, like I was so apprehensive at the thought of having him on the top line going into the season, like anybody even mentioning it. I was like, no, mm -mm, nope. We've seen it. We know what we're going to get. It's not anything good. Leave him down in the bottom six. And now it's like, can he stay up there permanently? Like who can, can we move Brian Russ down to get him out? Like, like what? When Gensel, Russ, Malkin all come back, if, you know, if the Penguins are ever healthy, fully healthy, it really does make for some interesting lineup decisions Mm -hmm. because, I mean, Malkin and Russ have played well together. So, you know, your first line still could be Gensel, Crosby, Rodriguez, put Russ Mm -hmm. down with Malkin. I don't know then what happens to Kapanen, one of Kapanen or Russ, if they are on that second line, would have to play on their offside. So it, 
it's going to be really tricky to see what happens mm -hmm. if the penguins are ever all healthy at once. Yeah. I mean, that's a very lofty goal. That might yeah. not even happen, um, but it's maybe for a day. Maybe for a day. Yeah, it's going to be a good problem to have uh, if they can get there. Yeah, hopefully. And even with Sid, him coming back from his wrist surgery and then immediately getting hit with COVID, it felt like it took him a little bit to kind of settle back into actual gameplay, but oh my goodness, has he been looking like Sid lately, even if he's not scoring incredibly flashy goals, just like the passes that he was making last night were off the charts bonkers. Like the, his hockey intuition and IQ is beyond explanation i i don't know how he sees things before they happen it's like he I, I don't know it's like he creates these scenarios in his head and then manifests them just by making a pass it's unbelievable but it's been so exciting to see him playing as well as he has been and it, looking comfortable too because you know let's be real he's getting older like everybody but we you just never know with hockey and the the pace of it and injuries like when is his career going to come to a close and the fa the fact that he's playing well right now and he's healthy and he's looking good uh, nothing nothing better in the the whole wide world than that uh, taylor what what have your thoughts been on on sid as of late and Crosby did actually hit, you know, a big milestone uh, in that game. He, it was his 400th career multi-point game. He had two primary assists. Um, and, I mean, <laughs> that's just crazy. Looking back, he was he's only the 14th player in, in NHL history to ever do that. And if you look at the list, of the 13 to come before him, they're all in the Hockey Hall of Fame except for one, and it's Yager. I mean, if you want to talk about longevity, it's Yager. And the only reason Yager's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame yet is because he's still playing. And so he's <laughs> not yet eligible. So um, eventually all 14 of those players will make it into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now, between Crosby and Yager, who makes it first, I don't think Yager's ever going to stop playing so many before <laughs> Yager. But, uh, yeah, just uh, just a big, big mi milestone for him. Not the mm -hmm. only what milestone, too, Latang. He had his 600th career point, what, yep. 43rd defenseman to ever do that. And I believe the second fastest among active defensemen behind Eric Carlson. So, uh, wow. I feel like we're – Again, like the core is getting older, and then you bring in someone like you know, like Jeff Carter too. I feel like we're talking about milestones every single week. Mm -hmm. Every week, there's a new one. It's like someone's yep. X amount of games played, someone's you know record here. It's <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, it is insane. But when you look at the things like points scored and goals scored and those milestones, the fact that these guys are aging and it's not really slowing down at the same pace as their age as they're aging it's just it's crazy that they're still playing and performing as well as they are given the amount of injuries that they've had I mean good grief Chris Letang had a stroke like th these guys have been through it and they are still playing like that no big deal and they're just it's another day for them they're just scoring and racking up points but yeah that's just what we do because we um you know montreal was in town it's a bunch of french speaking media Latang does like a french availability too um and after practice monday i believe he was asked how long he wants to how old you know he wants to play uh and he said it until mm -hmm. he's 45 
I believe is what he said. So again, that's very, that's a very Yager like answer. Although I think Yager said like 60. Um, <laughs> Not so, surprised. Yeah. Um, God, one time Yager, they asked him like how long he's going to play. And he said, well, he eats eight muffins a day. And he knows that when he stops playing because he eats so many muffins, he's going to get fat. So he said, so, you know, the period in his life between not playing hockey and death, he wants to be very short, he said, because otherwise he's going to get fat from all the muffins. He said that in like an ESPN interview once. Like, Reese, I think it was oh my God. like the devils. Now you could just eat more, less muffins, fewer muffins. There is a but, simple solution here. You no, know, got to keep playing hockey. <laughs> so. So you can eat the muffins. I honestly respect the move. I also need to know what kind of muffins these are. I know. Are I don't think like yeah. Latang has chocolate chip. What are we going with here? I don't think Latang has quite the same uh, reason for the motivation to keep playing. I don't think Latang's <laughs> like they gotta make up for the muffins. But oh um, my word! The day that I, I don't think Chris Latang eats muffins. I would not say that. Oh, okay. no, done. Based on that man, and not in a weird way, but based on that man's body fat percentage, I don't mm-hmm. think he's eating eight muffins a day. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. He's too fit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Why don't we take a break? We will be right back. All right, and welcome back to Podcast on Fifth Avenue. We're joined now by former Steelers kicker Sean Sweetsum. Sean, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah. Is this your first time on a hockey podcast? I'm not a huge podcaster. <laughs> I generally like to talk on the phone or email, so this is out of my comfort zone. <laughs> okay. I guess we'll take it easy on you then. Uh, the reason we brought you on, not to talk about football, but uh, because you're coaching girls hockey in the Penguins Elite Program. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but first, just what was your hockey background uh, growing up? How long did you play? Uh, and when did you make that switch full-time to, to football? Sure. I grew up in Canada in Southern Ontario and grew up loving the game of hockey. Started as a figure skater, turned into a hockey player shortly thereafter. And um, really the only reason I ever left the game was because football took me away from it. Um, uh, but played an awful lot of hockey came to the U S when I was 18 and took a break from hockey until my last couple of years with the Steelers. I had the blessing from Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin to start playing hockey in the off season again. So it started, um, and then unfortunately hurt my knee, but the good news is with hockey and, it didn't hurt my knee and I loved the game. So I fell back in love with it. And I have two daughters, 10 and 12, Sienna and Stella. And I'm lucky enough to coach them and, and all the other girls on their teams. I read somewhere um, your first training camp at Bowling Green, you, you showed up with a broken hand from hockey still. Is that the case? That's a true story. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea what I signed up for, but it was a, a pretty cool opportunity. So left home i didn't have kicking cleats i showed up with a broken hand from, from a <laughs> hockey fight and um i i don't know how i got to where i am now but uh it's been it's been fun but hockey has always been a very important part of my life you said a hockey fight i mean what kind of hockey player are you, you goon give us a scouting report i don't know maybe <laughs> i'm better than kiesel but he's improving you know 
Yeah, I mean, we were going to ask you about Kiesel, you know, later on, but I mean, Kiesel has been involved in a lot of these, you know, kind of charity things and, and on the ice. What what kind of a player is he? I watched him in that, that charity game. It looks like he can move. Brett is a, is a very good buddy of mine, and we have a lot of fun together. And it's been really fun to see him fall in love with the game of hockey. All his kids are playing hockey, and I'm lucky enough that his daughter Grace is on the ice when I'm coaching as well. That's just got to be such a cool dynamic for you, too. I mean, because was it has he been on skates a lot prior to getting on them with you guys? He started. I, I, I don't think he started before he was done playing football and him. Him and I finished around the same time. And it's been fun to watch him when he first started. He had these awful skates on that weren't built for a man of his stature. And uh, we finally got him into a stiffer boot and a little a little safer. Uh, for him and maybe people around him too. Yeah, I love that. Well, we'll go back a little bit to kind of your, you know, hockey fandom growing up, Southern Ontario. So, what were you a Leafs fan growing up? Big Leafs fan growing up, absolutely. All yeah. right, all right. So, what's your so, take on them right now? Well, but but football is taking me on a journey, you know, and. So I used to play for the Redskins, the Washington football team now, and um, became a Caps fan and had a lot of fun with those guys. And I used to be around there all the time. Uh, Vetchkin and Backstrom and Mike Green, they came out and kicked field goals one day. And they're great guys. When I got to Pittsburgh, uh, Kevin Colbert found out about this and he, he quickly put me in touch with the Penguins. And I have been a massive Penguins fan ever since. They've been creative and fortunate enough to play you know, in some alumni skates. And also before COVID came along, I used to skate with their staff at the, at the big rink all the time. So they've been, they've been, they've been awesome to me. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of the Penguins and their organization. I remember. Oh, go ahead, Taylor. I was going to say, I remember when you were playing, you know, like, you know, like Wayne Gretzky would show up sometimes. I remember, you know, uh, there were pictures of like, you on the sideline with him or like Bruce Boudreau showed up and you met, uh, you know, him at a, are there any like fun, you know, memories from those? Yeah, lots of great home? stories. I, I've basically lived my hockey dream through football. You know, it's been a path that I didn't expect, but it's been awesome. You know, um, Thomas Tall, who you might know his name, is, he was neighbors with Wayne Gretzky and we were out in San Francisco and, and Thomas called me. He said, come down, there's somebody I want you to meet. So I came down. And um, Wayne Gretzky was there with a jersey for me and just an unbelievable experience yeah. for me. And when I was in Washington, Bruce Boudreaux was just starting as a head coach there and I got to know him. He's a great guy and I'm happy to see he's back coaching again. Yeah. We're a fan of Bruce Boudreaux on the show. <laughs> he's a great guy. Big Bruce fans here on the podcast. Uh, cool. Did you ever get Sid or uh, Gino or any of those guys out to kick field goals? No. <laughs> No, maybe we can do that. I think we need to make that happen because we need the people need to know who can kick a field goal farther, Sid or Ovechkin. I mean, the rivalry, everybody talks about it. We got to know which one can do it. So a couple of weeks ago, helping out RMU, we put together a fun video and I had the chance and I spoke before I actually knew if I could do it or not. And I told him I could kick on the ice and I, and I can, you know, so what I would like to challenge Sid to is a kicking contest on the ice. I think I'd like to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I not right now. Not, not right, right now. now. Yeah. Maybe let Off him retire season. first. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, he's done stuff where they had him take batting practice at PNC Park and he was hitting homers out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, crossover, I'd, I'd put some money on him. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, on him? I, I, on ice? <laughs> the ice um, is the factor. Uh, yeah, I'll say the ice might be the factor. I haven't oh, missed a field goal man. since 2015. I've been pretty okay. good since then. Okay. <laughs> All right. As, um, I haven't kicked one either, but I haven't missed. <laughs> Um, as we mentioned earlier, I mean, so you're coaching now the Penguins Elite Program. You mentioned you coach your daughter. Just uh, how long have you been doing that and how did you get into that? I started coaching kids in hockey while I was still playing football, uh, probably in 2000, late 14 or maybe early 2015. Actually, the first year the, the rink opened with UPMC, I was at the Lemieux Center. I was there helping out. Um, I've helped at other local rinks at the, the barrel rink. Jim Black has a great program for girls there and the lady cats. So we started helping girls and that's much more of an entry level, uh, beginner level, which is an awesome program. And I still try to help out there when I can. And then fast forward now, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to coach um, the girls at the Pittsburgh Penguins elite program. And I love it. And it's, it's purposeful to me. I enjoy doing it. Um, it, it's really special to see these ladies come together and I'm doing my very best um, to help provide them and create an environment that I had as a kid through sport. And we're, we're doing it with the girls through hockey and it's, um, it's really special and, and pretty, pretty cool to be part of it. And along those lines too, what growth have you kind of seen in just girls hockey and in the sport in itself since you got into coaching and since your girls got into playing? My goal when I first started was to, well, it, it first started actually at the rink we were talking about and, and I'm watching girls and this is as my girls are younger, but I'm watching the older girls and they're getting ready in the bathroom or in a referee room and, and I'm watching it and I'm, I'm thinking we could do more. There could be more for these ladies. And my goal was to hopefully uh, be part of something, not only for my daughters, but for, for all the girls in this area to, to be able to share a locker room with their peers, uh, which is very important in hockey, in my opinion, and, and in sports to, to share that. And, and also create an environment where the girls, um, they don't have to give up their development, um, in order to have the, the awesome experience in a locker room with girls. And so what we've done is we, we now have our girls teams playing at a PAL AA level of boys hockey. So now I can tell parents and tell kids, look, if you, if you play on our hockey teams, um, you don't have to give up development in order to share this awesome experience with girls, you know, and I, I think it's, it's been pretty fun um, to watch this happen and to get to the point where we're playing these, uh, when I call them boys teams, they're, they're technically co-ed, but they're dominated by boys. So just for the sake of the conversation, I'll call them boys teams. And when we play them, it's been great because those teams, those boys, those coaches are no longer um, looking at our team as a team of girls, but as a hockey team. You know, and it's really special. And that's how I coach them as hockey players. And that's how we treat them. And, and um, we certainly push the girls. And it's fun to watch their, them respond. It's been, it's been 
very rewarding for me. And the amount of work the girls put in um, is special. And, you know, what probably leads us to now talking about college hockey and the importance of a program like RMU local to Pittsburgh. Why is it so important? There aren't an awful lot of opportunities at that caliber of play for girls and for females in in hockey. So when we take one of those opportunities away, not only does it take away the opportunity for those ladies that are fortunate enough to make it there, but it also pulls away that thought, that idea, that dream for those girls that work and they push themselves and they grow so much. Forget about hockey, but just prepare them for life, become our future leaders. And when we lose that in Pittsburgh, you know, I it hurts. I, I want to see more opportunities for for our girls, our daughters. Um, and like I said, you know, again, our futures of the leader, excuse me, our leaders of the future. And um, we need to fight for those opportunities for our girls. I, I feel that I believe it. And I know the power of sport. I am a perfect example of that. And I don't want my daughters, the girls of this area, not to have it because, um, you know, I, I don't want to say why, but I, I just would like to see that preserved for, for them in this area. It'd be great. Do you uh, follow the women's professional game at all? And do you think, you know, just given the growth of girls hockey in this area, that Pittsburgh could be a viable market for a team? Sure. It, it, it's an unbelievable game. You know, and you watch the skill of these ladies playing the game and it's, it's grown so much and their, their skill set and their talent is so high and hockey's so exciting, you know, and, and because they're females, it does not fall short of being awesome hockey, you know, so I would love to see continued growth. We have been fortunate to, to have a program that we're involved with, with, um, um, PIP premier ice prospects, which is an all girls led by a female all girls hockey company that's dedicated to spring opportunities um, for spring hockey for, for ladies to help drive them towards college and, and also regular season um, hosting awesome tournaments dedicated strictly and entirely for girls. You know, we just came back from Erie in one, which was, was awesome. It, it's really fun to see. Yeah, I mean, at the international level, the U.S. women and U.S. Canadians team, that's like one of the most exciting rivalries in hockey. I don't know if you if you follow that. Of course um, they do. So when we yeah. watch in our house, we always say we can't lose, you know, because <laughs> we, uh, we carry two passports in, in this house. And it, it, it's fun to watch. Yes, we certainly we certainly keep up with them. Yeah. What are what are you hop, hoping to do in, in your future with coaching? Do you expect to maybe move up in the levels eventually, maybe get into college or move up with your girls or what's what's in the future for you? My, my goal doing this is and I don't do it for money. It, it's trying to give back to a community that's been so wonderful to my family and um, trying to hopefully find little ways here and there to leave hockey in a better place in this area than than have we found it. And um, there are an awful lot of people doing great things for girls hockey and I'm, I'm watching it happen. And um, it's been fun to, to watch it, you know, and our, our program, the Pensley program is um, doing a great job creating these opportunities. Since I've been there, they're now, they offer full-time uh, opportunities for our girls and um, 
continuing to watch the growth of our young ladies is, has been really special and I'm happy to hopefully some of them, you know, feel in some small way I've, I've um, added to, to hockey for them. I, I hope that's the case because I certainly love doing it. Now, the, one of the big, I guess, hockey-related stories that really kind of hit the Pittsburgh community a little bit earlier this year was the horrendous chance towards the Mars goalie. And I believe that I read that you made it a point you wanted your girls to go to the game that they were having at the UPMC Lemieux Center to kind of rally around her, support her. Why was that so important to you? I mean, you talk about wanting to make the world of hockey better than when, you know, you first got in. Why was that such a big part of, you know, a lesson, I guess, to kind of show your team like, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be supportive. Sure. That's a great question. And to be clear, we're, we're talking about kids, you know, and so we all fall short. We all make mistakes. Um, I would assume that they'll all learn and grow from that moment. But beyond that, it, it was important for every single one of our, our players on both my teams, every single team within a girls team within our organization was also there. Um, there were some local college, uh, players there. Uh, the local PAL teams were there. It was really special to see the entire girls, uh, hockey community come together. And it, it, you know, it it was just a show of support, whether you're playing with all boys, whether you're on all girls team that, Hey, that wasn't okay. You're not, you're not in this alone. We're here with you. You know, and it was really special to to get out there and cheer for her. And there was a couple nice moments where I saw her look over from that and, and see our our girls lined up on the glass and give them a smile. So it was really special. Those girls were genuine. They were sincere. They wanted to be there. Um, and I thought it was a really neat moment for uh, girls hockey and Pittsburgh in general to to show support that that's not something that's okay. Let's learn from it. Let's move on. But, hey, we've got your back. It was a good moment. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm here. It's good to hear that you're doing some great things in the community, in the Pittsburgh hockey community. Uh, we'll have to have you back on the show when you, when you have your kicking competition with Sidney Crosby. Get a, get a <laughs> pre- preview lining up to that. But, uh, yeah, thanks again uh, for joining. Thanks so much. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Uh, keep listening. And we're back. A big thank you to Sean Sweezum for coming on the show and, and talking with two of us. Uh, I'm so sad that I will have missed it. I, I was really looking forward to it, but, you know, duty calls. Around the league, though, there's some news. Uh, general manager, former general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Jim Rutherford, was hired by the Vancouver Canucks as the president of hockey operations. And he, in his media availability, first with the team, was asked some questions, uh, one specifically about whether or not he learned anything from the signings of Jack Johnson and Eric Branson. And he had some curious things to say about that. Well... I, uh, I use analytics a lot, and I really like it, but it's not what I make my decision on. 
and you make uh, hockey decisions for different reasons. And I don't regret making those two decisions because Jack Johnson uh, was a big part of our dressing room and a big part of our team, and uh, he did some good things for us. He didn't get a good chance in Pittsburgh because he was never accepted from day one. And uh, so you, you're not going to have all skilled skating guys. In Grabanson's case, we were looking for, we needed defense at that point in time, and we needed a physical guy because we didn't have one. <clears throat> I like his character, and he served a purpose when he was there. But it got to a point that it, he affected our cap, and so that's when he got moved on. So you're going to have different kind of players. I don't regret those two, two moves at all in Pittsburgh. And I know that we all have thoughts about <laughs> that specifically. I, I understand that there's a certain level of, I don't know if you would call it bedside manner. You don't want to just come right out and be like, that was a terrible signing. Yeah. Uh, I should never have done it. That guy was trash. It, it was whatever. But to to not acknowledge the total disconnect of not only length and salary of Jack Johnson's deal, five years, um, yeah, Insane. that we're still paying, that we're still paying. Um, we as in as if I have like financial <laughs> capital on the team, the Penguins are still paying it. But to I, I, there is a way to diplomatically say. It probably was not the right fit for the team. It probably wasn't a good decision for the current state of the team. Maybe I learned that I shouldn't sign guys to five-year deals for this many millions worth of dollars when they don't even fit into the system of the head coach of the team. But to come right out and say, no, I, I stand by that. I think that it was <laughs> it's the right thing is just – absolutely ludicrous to me and that you know he won two cups here that is excellent but he made some really weird decisions in his final final years with the team and then to just peace out like you can't you can't divorce the two things like they all happened in his time here and you can be thankful for what he did right but also <laughs> like wonder what was he thinking in yeah. his Final years. Yeah. So Taylor, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, like you said, Jim Rutherford's legacy here is not, you know, signing Jack Johnson. Um, <laughs> but again, I think like you said, I think there, he could have answered that in, in a, I don't know what I would have liked to have seen him say, I guess is, you know, cause he praised Jack Johnson. He said, you know, he was great in our room and all that. You could have said that, but like, but he really wasn't a fit on the ice. Yeah. Um, so maybe I learned something there, but no, he didn't. He said no regrets at all. So I don't know. And I think a buyout is if if that doesn't exemplify regret, I don't know what does. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, if you said you know they're still paying him. Um, they're paying him through the. Um, they're paying him for another four years. Oh my <laughs> so, god. Um, this season, it's not over yet. Yeah, this season is cap hit is one point two million. Um, it actually varies. So it's funny, you know, the the NHL salary cap upper limit increases by one million dollars next season. 
Jack Johnson's cap hit on the Penguins increases next season by 750000 So that's where that is going. Um, so you see the salary cap is going up, really not for the Penguins because no. they're paying Jack Johnson with $2 million next season. And then the final three oh years, it's about 900000 Um So again, if that's not regret, I don't know what does. <laughs> again, Jim Rutherford, I don't think he cares because that's not his problem anymore. He's in Vancouver. I think the the biggest issue I I saw with what he said was um, he didn't get a good chance in Pittsburgh because he was never accepted from day one. Now I don't think that means like you know by Sullivan or you know because Jack Johnson he got playing time he yeah. rarely was scratched. I think he's talking about you know public perception, yeah. and that's just not true because if Jack Johnson would have played well he could have shed that. You look at yep. Cody Cece. Cody Cece, when he came in, really kind of had a similar reaction. I mean, the the contract mm-hmm. was not nearly as bad, but Cody Cece played so well that by the time he left inside in Edmonton, fans were pissed. So mm-hmm. Jack, Jack Johnson could have gotten rid of that. Even you know, yeah. talking about bad contracts, Brandon Tanev got signed. That's exactly uh, what yeah. Uh-huh. People hated that contract, but yep. Brandon Tanev played well enough that people forgot about that. So totally. to say yep. that you know, well, you know, Jack Johnson just never got a chance here, referring to public perception, that really doesn't ch- check mm-hmm. out for me. Nope. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to just Jim Rutherford as a whole. Yeah, this is not going to be his legacy, but I think. You know, okay, without Jim Rutherford, they still have three Stanley Cups. But yeah, that's true. That's going to be his legacy. But then I think you also still have to recognize that he made a lot of moves like this that closed that window mm-hmm. shut. So uh, both things can be true. Winning yep. those two Stanley Cups does not make him immune to criticism. Um, and this is a this is a huge thing. Good Branson, I don't think Good Branson is, is that big of a deal. Good Branson is fine no. here. And again, you, you look back at you know when they brought him in, they they had some injuries. Yeah. Uh, it was a bad contract, but and then but they really unloaded it for, for nothing by the end. Mm. He really wasn't here that long and he was fine when he was with Marcus Pedersen briefly. Yeah. So Good Branson, not that big of a deal. The reason Jack Johnson and Good Branson were brought up together is because the reporter was asking specifically about defensemen, like in relation to Quinn Hughes somehow. So that's why those two were brought up. I think there are other bad moves you could bring up, like uh, acquiring Reeves and then the moves they made to undo the Reeves trade mm-hmm. and the fallout from all that and like yeah. Broussard being tied in there. There's a lot of bad things that happened after 2017. Lord, um, yeah. So, and then of course the, the wages Rutherford resigned in the middle of the season. I think mm-hmm. fans have reason to be critical years from now. This is not what we're going to remember, but it, you can't just act yeah. like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Jenna, how do you feel about all that? What are your thoughts? So you guys kind of both hit the nail right on the head there. That just, I mean, because again, it's not like his legacy is going to change or anything like that. And I'm, I'm intrigued to kind of see what he's going to do with Vancouver. Because obviously mm-hmm. this president of hockey ops role is a little bit different. Of, or, I mean, it's drastically different. I can't even say a little bit different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and it almost, you know, now that they have Brian Burke in this role, I think the thing for me that was intriguing is like, would there have potentially been the chance for this here for him? And would he have wanted to kind of transition away from being the GM of the team and say, Hey, I'm going to step into this role. Obviously one of those, you know, we'll never know right now type things, but that is kind of intriguing to me. Mm. Would that have happened? Could that have happened? 
Um, but I think for, you know, I mean, with a franchise like Vancouver, it's interesting because they are a lot younger. They, you know, are rebuilding. They've also, I, I just love the dynamic too with like him and coach now, because it was like, wait a second, you were set such, I mean, granted, obviously him being in the front office, but like you were bitter rivals. Now it's like, Oh, just kidding. We're together now. <laughs> I just love it. It's yeah. I don't and, know. I, Yeah. Bruce Boudreaux's first NHL goal was scored on Jim Rutherford. And, and he, he, <laughs> Rutherford was asked about that, too, um, in, his, in his first media availability. And he said, you know, uh, he and I were friends. Uh, he was having trouble scoring on anyone else, so I let him have that one. So, um, yeah, two, two, two just good personalities in, in Boudreaux and, and Jim uh, Rutherford. So that dynamic is going to be um, – Fun to watch, yeah. I, yeah. I, every, every time Boudreaux, we talked about it before, but every time Boudreaux talks, there's like something quotable coming out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yep, yeah, fun situation in Vancouver, yeah. And you know, one of the things about Jim Rutherford that was always so, um, I, I don't even know what the right word would be because entertaining implies positivity, but he was very trigger happy with deals and the trade deadline. Like he, that dude loves to make a signing and trade for people, whoever, anybody, let's get it done. Like big deal. Don't care. Little deal. Let's do it. Yeah. Huh. I think from the outside now that actually might be a lot of fun to watch because uh, on trade deadline day as a penguin fan, when he was running the show, it was like, Oh my God, what is he gonna do (laughs) but now like and it wasn't always all bad because he did you know he brought in phil castle like it's not like he was this bulldozer terrible tornado that always destroyed everything but there was a there was a stark contrast between his first handful of years with the organization and his last handful of years and i think like you said taylor the the way that he left was just so it just felt kind yeah. of skeevy. And if it hadn't ended that way, I think a lot of people would be not even paying attention to what's going on with him right now. It's just the fact that he yeah. decided a week into the season, yeah, okay, done, I'm gone. And then is now with the new organization saying that he doesn't regret any of his crappy signings. It's just weird. It's yeah. weird. I mean, there's a lot of theories out there about why he left. I don't think we'll Mm -hmm. ever really know. Um, I I guess I personally, I don't really care too much about that. I mean, that was very surprising. Um, But again, they they got Hextall in almost immediately. So, Mm -hmm. like... The thing people fans keep saying is like, oh, he abandoned the team. It it doesn't... It's not like, you know, if a player just got up and decided they were going to go, you know, head to back to Europe in the middle of the season and, like, you can't easily replace them. Yeah. GM is a little different. It's not like the Penguins just didn't have a GM. Like they brought in Hextall who, you know, has a good track record. Mm-hmm. Um, he came in. So it's not like they were just screwed when, when he left. Yeah. No. Um, this isn't Calvin Benjamin retiring at halftime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not what happened here. Yeah. It, was, it is abrupt. Yeah. Yeah. It was abrupt. Yeah. It's very surprising. Um, and I mean, what the Penguins were seeing, far fewer middle of the night trades because how many of those did Rutherford make? Oh my <laughs> like, goodness, like think, all of them. Yeah, I think like Haglin was at like, you know, two in the morning. There there are a couple of those where um, you couldn't go to bed early. You got to have your phone uh, turned on. But um, 
I mean, talking about good moves, the Tuesday was the anniversary of trading Scuderi for Daly, which was one of um, that was huge his best. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he he did a lot of good things here, but that doesn't yep. mean you know he's a, a deity and we gotta you know build a yeah. statue to him outside of PG Paint Serena <laughs> and pray to it. Like, no, you can still criticize him when he's when um, he makes those bad moves, and then when he mm-hmm. doubles down on them, them, how many years <laughs> later? Um, yeah, just so surprising. Well, it'll sure be entertaining to watch what's going on in Vancouver, like you said, with Bruce Boudreau and him there together. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride for Canucks fans. Uh, don't envy you at all with that one, but it will will be along for the ride for sure. Uh, but that is gonna do it for another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. Uh, make sure. You are subscribed wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We're everywhere. We drop new shows every single Thursday. So make sure that you're here. Not next week because next week is Christmas. Oh, my God. But after the holidays, we will be back and ready to roll. Uh, So excited to talk more Penguin Talkie with you. But, yeah, we will see you all next time. 